I like to call them bottomless pits. Because yeah. no matter how long you swipe, you will never reach the end. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome to episode six of Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Jeremy Marcotte with Hook SEO Digital Marketing, and I'm here with Matt Rouse, owner of Hook SEO. Hi, I'm Matt Rouse, and I write the books and write the topics for the podcast and do the research and that kind of thing. Perfect. And we have with us today as a guest, Ryan Corbridge of Corbridge Law Offices. Hi, Ryan. How's it going? Hey, guys. Going pretty good. Did I say gays? That was, I think, from South Park. You know, what's his hey name? Guys. What's his name? Uh, Kenny? Cartman. Cartman. Hey, guys. Yeah, Ryan Corbett here. I'm a trial lawyer, Washington County, criminal defense, auto collisions, representing the people. Not in every case, but the important ones. <laughs> the ones that may or may not have done it. Uh, today, let's talk about how mentorship is a win-win-win. I'm sure you guys have either had mentors or been a mentor to people. Mentoring helps. It helps improve their lives. It helps improve your lives. And it helps overall your business because you're helping somebody and they're going to talk about, I'm getting help from this guy. You know, stuff like that. So why don't we talk about it? Have you guys ever been a mentor? If so, like, what did you do? What were some of the steps you've taken or... So one of the things that came up when Ryan and I were talking before is sometimes he has clients come in who maybe they're not on the best path in life and they're starting to get in trouble with the law or maybe they've been in trouble with the law a couple times before in the past and what they really need is a little bit of direction with their life. And you had talked about that with me briefly about, you know, some things that you can talk with them about and basically mentoring them. And that was one of the things that came up. So do you want to talk maybe a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. I didn't know that's the direction we were going with this topic, but um, obviously something that I deal with on a regular basis. So, you know, criminal justice system, right? right. Big problem here in this country. I could talk forever about the challenges that we have, but I think that mentoring or lack of mentoring, guidance and leadership creates, I don't know, 75% of the criminal conduct in this country. And boy, is that expensive, right? right. You know, it costs $44,021 a year to house somebody in custody. I digress. But um, when somebody comes to me, obviously there's the legal work that we do, but they call me a counselor too, right? Right. And so I'm not a licensed therapist or counselor in the means of mental health is concerned, but I am on the front lines of our mental health crisis in this country, the front lines of our addiction crisis in this country. And so when they come in, I first of all do an assessment, you know, what type of support do you have around you? You know, are you a doctor that's got problems with, you know, taking pills that you're handing out to patients or are you somebody who pharmaceutical companies uh, prescribed you know, opiates to, right, years right. ago, and now you've become addicted, and they've cut off your uh, prescription, uh, and now you're looking to other means to try and uh, deal with that problem. That's a huge problem all over the country right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a huge problem all over the country. So as far as mentorship, I take a look at that, try and understand which basket these guys fall in to some degree, if they've got a lot of support around them or not. Uh, and then uh, from there, work into whether they're ready to hear some of the different changes that they should maybe make or implement to try and get going their lives, going in a different direction. Uh, we are very fortunate here in Washington County. Uh, recently had a brand new inpatient facility uh, with a real mentorship type of 
concept established just down the Walker in 217. We're very fortunate that they're here. And I'm, I've already got a couple people I'm associated with there uh, at the facility. So uh, anyways, uh, mentorship is critical in life. And then in business, professionally, to have somebody that you can go to with questions in a business capacity is also important. So when you're talking about mentorship with someone who maybe not necessarily, I mean, they don't necessarily have to be a client of yours, right? But it can be simple things like maybe it's start to look at who you're hanging around with or what your diet is or like things that you can do to improve your state of mind. Are you sleeping properly? Like things like this are simple simple guidance, things that you can help people with that can, you know, really change. I don't want to, you know, talk about health issues and stuff like that or give any kind of medical advice, obviously, because I'm not a doctor. But, you know, some simple guidance that people don't know how to take care of themselves, really, right? Or they just have never been around people who do take care of themselves, right? You know, that's an interesting concept that you're talking about here because you're talking about mentorship in a professional capacity. Right. We, when you think mentorship, it's generally kind of a family or friend type of concept that people look at normally. But if you look at your relationship with your medical doctor, right, right. Um, what is that really? Right? Is that a mentorship type of event? Well, let's look at what they're accomplishing from a Western medicine medical doctor concept, right? Are they mentoring you to help you fix your health concerns? Uh, whether it be addiction or uh, cheeseburgers are what's killing the majority of the country, right? right? Um, uh, high blood pressure, heart attack, diabetes. You know, is our current medical system addressing those issues? Well, it's not set up in a mentoring capacity. So usually you need to find somebody outside of that system if you need mentoring in that area. And I know that we're a business podcast and we're going to talk more about business mentoring in a minute, but just mentoring in life in general can be really helpful. Like if you come from maybe a family where people were in trouble with the law or they had other types of problems, drug and alcohol problems and things like that, maybe you haven't had any peers or role models that you believe that there's anything that you could do with your life. And when it comes down to it, not to get too deep into it, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to think that their life meant something, right? Like they're making a difference to someone and that it mattered that you were alive and that what you do actually does, you know, it matters. If you don't think that any of the things that you do matter and none of the stuff you do actually does matter, then you're not really going to get very far, right? Because the thing that keeps people going is purpose. And when people don't have purpose, they don't think what they do, do matters. They don't think that their life matters. It's really easy to make a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, I deal with people who come from broken families, broken homes all the time. Let's just start talking about, I don't want to go too far off, but, you know, access to technology, right? right? Technology. Here we have kids that are in elementary school that, you know, their mom and dad buys them an iPhone, right? Maybe they're separated. Maybe they're divorced. So either one of the parents wants to have direct communication with the child. So they're 10 years old, 11 years old, and they've got an iPhone and they're able to access the internet and social media at a very young age. Is that the type of mentoring we're talking about? Because they are being mentored. The question is who's doing the mentoring? Is it the engineers at the tech companies that are creating the dopamine that is released because of how many thumbs up or likes a person gets? Or is it 
a parent uh, who's spending time with them doing an event that builds self-esteem, that builds dignity, that builds, in, in, to some degree, independence. Right. So, so I mean, it's a challenging thing. Uh, but my second set of parents uh, brought us up in a way that I thought was pretty fantastic. And their concept was, let the rope out as fast as you can. Uh, now, with that said, you know, what, what does that mean? Well, let the kids go out and explore. Maybe let them go out and climb trees. Maybe let them go out and make friends or knock on doors and sell cookies. You know, right. I don't know. Uh, don't hover, ultimately, is the, what I took from that. But then... I don't think that they grew up in the environment. I, I definitely didn't grow up in the environment where I had concerns associated with technology right. uh, and access to uh, the Internet. So, I mean, I don't think that that same type of approach will work in today's environment in relation to exposing kids to access to phones and, and stuff like that. But I think, it, I think it still rings true in some of the other areas. I think there needs to be, uh, you know, definitely a little bit of moderation when it comes to technology when kids are young but i also am a firm believer for my own kid that she needs to have in-depth exposure to technology for the future world that we're going to be living in so i don't think that giving the technology to the children later is necessarily better as long as it's younger and supervised versus later and not as supervised. And that's, you know, that's a parenting thing here and there. So why? Ask yourself that. You're I had technology at a young age. No, right? I'm asking you. And you want her to be exposed to um, technology for what reason? Because technology is moving and accelerating at a pace faster than it ever has. Right. And it's going to keep accelerating and accelerating faster. Right. So so technology is moving faster. So what is your concern so, about here, her let me back interfacing step, with that okay? at a young age? So the human brain can only look at the future on a line. It can say, if something used to be 10 and the next year it was 15 and the next year it was 20, it will extrapolate out a direct line. The brain cannot extrapolate an exponential curve. Right. And we're at the bottom of the exponential curve between the meeting of genetics, artificial intelligence, and some other computer technologies and information technologies. And all of those are coming together, and we're going to hit the top of this curve. So there's absolutely no way anyone right now can see what's coming because True. it's going to grow so fast. Right. So if you don't know how to interface with technology and are not comfortable with using technology – it is going to be an immense learning curve that you won't be able to get over. So that is exactly what I was trying to get you to say. I was trying to get you to say that there's a concern with the interaction between an individual who is 16 years old and hasn't had exposure to, let's say, an iPhone, and the rapidly increasing tech industry, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and my, my thought is that, for you to hear what your thoughts are on this, but my, my thought is that they're designing these things so that the learning curve to integrate this into your life is very short. Oh, yeah. It, it, for a 16, 17-year-old kid that comes from you know some place that doesn't have this stuff, you put them in an environment where they have access to this stuff. I mean, language abilities you know, apply. Mm -hmm. Cultural uh, lingual fluency is also applicable. But for a, for, a, for a kid in the United States to grow up, and go to an American high school and is from here, give them an iPhone, and I would argue that within a week, 
they are up to speed with interfacing with that system or those systems or those applications almost instantaneously. What I'm trying to tell you is that we don't have to integrate that into our kids' development because what what, what the challenge is is their other development, right? right? Once they get access to and, – and I see it with the people that come into my, ho- come into my office with criminal charges – I look at it, one of the questions that you talk about mentoring, one of the things I regularly advise my clients is what's your experience, what's your exposure to social media? What's your exposure to this and that? Oh, I'm looking at my phone all the time. Or like the husband or the boyfriend or the parent, like they're always on it, right? right? And I'll tell them, I'll say, listen, you're losing your mind. You are losing your mind and this is an aspect of it, right? And so they talk about, uh, kids that start drinking at a young age, right? People, the kids that start uh, they're drinking at 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. and how that release and those dopamines and the addiction uh, foundation is built at those younger formative years. So that when these people become adults, 25, 26, 30 years old, they're more inclined to become serious alcoholics, right? That's from an alcohol substance abuse perspective. The same chemicals that are being released from the body uh, from alcohol or cocaine or heroin uh, is the same stuff that's getting released by these phones. Hmm. And so if we're predisposing our kids at the age of 10, 11, 12, 14 to that stuff now, then what you'll find is that when you need to have those relationships with those kids from a mentoring perspective, bringing it back to topic at the age of 16 and 17, when it's critical that you've got that in place to help them through the challenges at those ages, what you'll find is that they're gone. You, you may find right. that they have already found themselves a different mentor and that mentor ain't you. That mentor is some group of people online mm. or some unknown person, right? right. You know, some, some problematic person online. But I mean, from a criminal defense perspective, which is something I deal with on a regular basis, something we got to deal with is is in a portion of the cases is this specific issue I'm talking to you about. From a personal injury perspective, we have to talk to our clients about completely shutting everything off. We have them sign a document at the office when we take the case that says you are now not going to engage in your personal life online. I mean, we're still kind of on on the networking topic. You slanted a little bit, right? You invited me here. I know, (laughs) I know. And you know what? This is why I invited you here, right? Because we want to have these conversations. And I think the thing about most social media, and I I don't want to group them all together because they're all different, but social media is designed to benefit the stockholder of the social media company. It is not designed to be great for you or your kids or anything like that, right? So all that the social media company really, really, really wants is to keep you on there longer to watch more advertisements, which is exactly the same thing as getting you into the movie theater or getting you to watch longer on television so that you could see more TV commercials. And before that was to get you to listen to the radio so you could hear more radio commercials and read the stories in the newspaper because you would read the ads in between the newspaper stories. It's the same thing. It's just a different platform. It's a much smarter platform. And by smart, I mean it's it's smart in how it can learn to keep you on it longer. And when you realize that the technology of the platform is 100% designed to try and show you things that will make you keep looking at it, then you realize how easy it is to just drop 15 minutes or an hour 
just bam, thumb swiping, right? And I like to call them bottomless pits because no matter how long you swipe, you will never reach the end, right? I mean, if you only have six friends on Facebook, you're going to reach the end of it. But I mean, once you got a couple hundred or something, I mean, you will never get to the end. You will never see every photo on Instagram. You will never watch every YouTube video, right? I mean, it's just never going to happen. They're bottomless pits. So what you have to do, and this is when, you know, when I work with businesses about doing their social media, a big complaint that we hear from them is about how much of a time waste it is. But you know what? It's not a time waste if you're only using it as a tool to do the thing that you need to do. So uh, if your business needs to say you put out a book and I'm like, okay, I want to tell people that I wrote my book and I go, here's a picture of my book. This is what it's about. And then I close Facebook. I'm done, right? I don't have to read 50 things, right? I don't have to go through and swipe down, read everybody's story about this and that and everybody telling everybody how else they should live their life and all (laughs) other things that go on, right? And there's a few people that I like to follow that post stuff, you know, that's interesting on different platforms, right? I use social media probably more than anyone that you know. I mean, I post at least 20 times a day across platforms. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hook SEO. A plug. That's right. <laughs> so I'm posting 20 to 100 things a day across platforms. And, you know, I see some stuff here. I see some stuff there. But I have to be very, very conscious to not fall into the bottomless pit, right? Because it's super easy. It's, okay, I got to post something for this company today. So I post something. And I'm like, okay, While that looks I'm really here. good. And then I see, oh, you know what? Oh, this is funny. Oh, my friend, the author wrote this book. That's cool. I'm going to go to the link and I see the link and then I'm like, go to somewhere else. And 50 minutes later, I'm on Amazon buying a bath toy for my kid. And I'm like, I don't even know how I got here. Right? So wow. you really have to like try and focus when you're doing stuff and say, this is the task I'm going to do on this platform. I'm going to use this tool to do this thing. And then I'm out. There's, there's lots of tricks to it, you know, and we can get into that in another, you know, another episode sometime. Let's talk a little bit about business mentoring. So did you have, have you had anyone you think was a mentor to you for your business? So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's an attorney here. Um, he's been practicing for a long time. Uh, two attorneys. Uh, one is Todd Bofferding. Uh, he's a criminal, federal criminal defense attorney here in town. Um, and the other one's Clayton Morrison. Uh, Todd's been practicing, I want to say, for going on 30 years. Uh, and uh Clayton Morrison has been practicing for 44 years, which is, you know, a lot of experience, those guys. Uh, but I actually became an attorney because of a conversation I had with Todd Bofferding on a ski lift out in Bachelor back in 2000, oh, yeah. 2001. Uh, anyways, he just talked to me about what he did, and I had been contemplating getting into uh, going to law school. And uh, just after that meeting, I said, hey, well, this is the direction I'm going. And here we are, you know, 2019, and uh, been doing it for a while now. But um, being able to have those mentors within your industry, you know, business mentors, I think is critical. I should probably have more of it, but um, um, they give you confidence. Right. You know, so you, you, you're going a certain direction. They give you confidence to put one foot in front of the other and um, develop as a business owner or a professional. In my experience, it's those are specifically other attorneys that I'm referencing, but other people, you know, Dan Hayes, Real Property right. Management, um, you know, from a business perspective, you know, the guy is so good at what he does and his, his leadership over there is amazing. You know, for, to have him in the B&I chapter as a right. mentor for not just me, but for everybody at the group, it just kind of raises the entire business and organization of uh, B&I for, for us. And so, 
Um, they say that the high tides uh, what lift all ships or something, or something yep. like that. Those types of mentors uh, are also uh, critical. I worked with the Mercy Corps micro-mentoring program for several years now. I don't talk about it a whole lot, so people don't really know about it. But they actually awarded me the Super Mentor Badge because I've mentored more than 10 people now in the last three years. And it's for people who are starting businesses, generally people who either have not started or they started and they're struggling and they've gone to Mercy Corps to look for help. It's weird. It's almost like a dating site. You can like scroll through and see what help they want and see what they're interested in, what they're doing. And if it's someone that I think I can help them and the help that they need is, is in my wheelhouse, then I'll message them and I'll be like, hey, I think I give you a hand with this. And then uh, we have a conversation, sometimes over the long term, and sometimes it's one or two emails kind of thing back and forth. Sometimes we'll meet for a year, you know, every couple of weeks. I haven't done a lot recently just because we've been so busy, but it's really rewarding to actually see people in their business kind of grow past that whatever hurdle that they were at. And uh, it's nice to give back the knowledge that you've learned, even if they can't pay you. And I think especially because they can't pay you, right? It's that how you treat the people who, I don't, I don't remember how that saying goes. It's the measure of a man is not how you treat people who can do something for you. Yeah, something like it's something about how you treat the people who can't pay you back or something like that. Can't remember yeah. how it goes now. It's killing me. Well, the, one anyway, I, the one that I like is, is society's judged by how they treat the least among them. Yeah, right? that works. And that's true uh, too. And But that's different than what you were saying. Right. What I'm saying is, and I don't know if this is the best honest thing to say. Well, it is the honest thing to say is that I don't want to help somebody if they're not willing to help themselves. But if they're willing to start to make the journey, then I'll help them. If they're going to take that first step, then I can help give them some information to help push them further along in their journey to becoming a business owner or, you know, improving their business. Because at the end of the day, without execution, you've got nothing. So you can have every brilliant idea in the world. Just ask every single person who said that they're going to write a book, but hasn't written a single sentence and talked about it for 20 years, that if you don't start, then what's the point? I got a question uh, for you. Are we talking about mentor and business or mentor and people? Because what are we going to do about the people who don't have the mentor? What should we do with them? What's your advice to those people? So if somebody is looking for a mentor and doesn't have one, you should find somebody who's in the industry you're in, who is doing what you want to do and is not so far beyond your current level that they're untouchable, basically. So like, I'll give you an example, okay? If you're just starting out in the marketing world and you want to learn copywriting, you don't go to somebody like Frank Kern that makes $30 million a year and say, will you be my mentor? You know, you got to find somebody who's like a copywriter at an agency in Portland and be like, just write them an email, right? Or find them at a networking group, going back to networking, right? From the last episode, find somebody else who does the thing that you want to do. See if they'll meet with you. Will they have a conversation? Will they have an email conversation with you? Will they have a phone call with you? Just see if you can get that mentorship kind of thing started and see if there's something you can offer them to give back. And if you have a purpose for what you do, it's way easier to find someone to help mentor you. So there's a girl that I did some mentoring with through Mercy Corps, and she's basically a bookkeeper. But her focus was properly doing books and balancing checkbooks and things like that for people who are elderly 
and maybe had problems with memory problems and things like that who are really susceptible to theft, right? So family members or neighbors or caretakers would steal money from older people who can't remember or don't know how to balance their checkbooks and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to help her because she's going to help all these other people, right? Who deserve help and deserve to be retiring in their homes and not being stolen from, right? So if you have a purpose behind what you're doing, it's really easy to find a mentor. And also, you know, check out the micro mentor program on Mercy Corps. I'll just close my comments by saying, if you need a mentor, ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that people, I don't care if they are the $30 million a year types, right? But, um, you know, if you can get in the same room with those people, right? But the people that you're in the room with, whether you're a business, whether you're a young adult that's looking for guidance, maybe you come from a broken home, maybe you're a nine, 10 year old kid that, you know, is feeling a need for that type of mentorship from somebody, right? I think if you just ask the people, you, you I think, instinctively know who you need as a mentor. And when you, mm-hmm. identify, when you see them, whether it's a kid in the same classroom or an upperclassman or a, a business owner, I think you know when you see it that you could use their advice and their support and their help. And I think that those people that are mentors, they want to help. Yeah. And I think that what people yeah. think to themselves is, they think to themselves, oh, they won't help me. They won't you know, give me their time. But in reality, I think that nine times out of 10, those people are privileged and feel really good about giving back. And so um, I would just recommend that if that's the situation that you're in, Go ahead and be confident, take that risk, and uh, ask for that mentorship. And I think you'd be surprised at, at how positive it turns out. I think that yeah. also that's a big difference between people who are successful and people that, that uh, struggle, right, are the mm-hmm. ones that are willing to ask. So If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Pretty much every successful person I know, you know, regardless of their level of success, is always willing to give something back or mentor someone because they want to – share the knowledge that they've gained in becoming successful. And like you're saying, they feel fortunate for, for the things that they have and they want to share that with people. That's right. I think that most people are good people. Yeah. Yep. And, and good people do good things like that. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marka. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us for episode seven. We'll be talking about Tracy Hicks and the All Things Real Estate Store about building your brand. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson, mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.